Welcome back to the Scribes Journal. I am your host, the Scribe of Worlds, and I am joined this week not by the Violet author who had a scheduling conflict, uh, but instead we are joined by R.C. Lloyd, or Becca, as I know her. So welcome, Becca. It is good to have you. Thanks, Elijah. It's really good to be here. I'm excited. Yes. So let's just start it off and go ahead and introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you write? And then we'll we'll jump in from there, I think. Yeah, so I'm Becca. I've decided to go, go with R.C. Lloyd as my author name. But yeah, I'm just Becca. And I write kind of a mix, a little bit of everything. I'm currently drafting a, well, yeah, revising a fantasy series, drafting a kind of contemporary literary fiction that's more dark academia with a hint of sci-fi psychological thriller twist and then i have my first book a poetry collection coming out in december so yeah like i said a little bit of everything yes so yeah uh, three places to go so <laughs> let's start with the november one because it is uh, national novel writing month and you are our fourth and final guest technically also third and final because our first guest was violet so like it doesn't really count but anyway she always you counts. are <laughs> I'm sure she'll be glad to hear that. Violet, you count. It goes one, two. You three, matter. We four, love you. Five. We went but... very different directions with that. Continue. <laughs> but yes, so talk about your November goal. I know you're not doing like the official National Novel Writing Month, but you're still challenging yourself <laughs> this month. So talk about what you're doing with that. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, I didn't do NaNoWriMo, but the story that I'm working in right now is the same world that I actually was introduced to NaNoWriMo in back in. I don't know, early high school, the first year you and I did NaNoWriMo forever ago. 2015? I want to say 2015. Yeah, it was, no, it was 2014 because it has to have been because I graduated in 2016, like May, and it wasn't my senior year. It was my junior year. Wild. I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense because I would have, yeah, yeah, I guess that tracks. Wow. I feel old. Continue. You feel old. I'm another year older. Okay. Oh, so but you can feel makes, older. Thank you. I appreciate that. It also makes my story feel old because I've been writing in this world and the book that I wrote that NaNoWriMo in 2014 ended up being the very bare bones framework for what's now book two in this series. I realized I needed to back it up and tell someone else's story before I got to their story. And like I said, while I'm still in love with this world, it's kind of been chaotic. And then I hit, you know, college life, COVID, got very yeah. little writing on. But I'm back. I finished the draft, first draft. That's like a solid, real first draft, not a hot mess of first draft. Back in June of of last year. I don't know. It's been about a year since I finished it, maybe a year and a half. And now I'm working through revisions. And what that means is a lot of rewriting. I'm basically rewriting the first 10 chapters and then going through and editing the rest. But I had kind of been not as focused on writing recently. Work's been really tough. So my November goal, and I've also been so disconnected from my two main characters. So my November goal was really just to mm. reconnect with my characters, with my story, and make some sort of progress. I didn't know what that looked like going into November, but I can honestly say that I met that goal. I ended up spending a week, last week actually, I just got back in California with one of our other close friends and was able to get, I she worked a lot and on the days that I wasn't working and I worked kind of on the days she wasn't working chaotic but she graciously <laughs> let me sneak away to a coffee shop like four times i got four writing sessions in for a solid four six hours and actually wrote a scene each time and reconnected with the characters so i can confidently say bria and adriana are speaking to me again which that's good it's awesome that's good it yeah 
difference. So yeah, I have two yeah. chapters left of the kind of rewriting the first 10 chapters because I'm kind of resetting how the story starts and rebuilding right. the the setting and the foundation of the story. I'm just adding a lot to. And then after that, the revisions should go much quicker. I say should. I've been saying this about this book, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a joke at this point. But I anticipate it being better. And I'm going to dive more into it in December. I'll have a little bit more time coming up in a few weeks. I just have to get through these next two weeks. But sure. yeah, so my big December goal was to reconnect with my characters. And I did. And I've written some of the best scenes that I've written in a while, in my only opinion. But yeah, it's been really fun. That's really exciting. So the one that you're working on in November, is that book one or book two? Yeah, so I'm still on book one. Book right. one is the one that I'm not starting book two until I get book one out to agents. Like book yeah, one has very makes, much been my focus for a while. Sense. I was just making sure I was tracking with you. Oh, yeah, because I brought up book two. That was the reason I brought it up is the story that you knew as right. Shattered or the world of Shattered is right. will be book two. You'll be more familiar with book two. It's still very bare yes. bones. It's just the characters and kind of an overarching plot will be there. But yeah. yeah, book one, all new people, all new stories, totally different place. But it's setting the stage for kind of a grander the thing. The story that I, that I once knew with. as. I feel Shattered. like it's the uh, the artist formerly known as Prince, like the draft novel formerly known as Shattered. Truly. Now, book two in the Shattered trilogy. Or... Book two will be called To the Shattered Ones. So it's still okay. going to retain part of that title that's familiar. I just as a as a note to the general listening audience, like Becca said, we did NaNoWriMo for the first time together. <laughs> and I remember like hearing about your world and being really excited. Like it's it's really, really cool. The The world building is deceptive, deceptively simple, I would say. The premise feels kind of like, I'm not going to say generic because it doesn't feel generic at all, but it feels like a really simple thing. And it just lets you do so much and it's really exciting so i'm also really excited to see oh, the you. actual book one yeah i'm excited for you to see book one because it's set, it, the setting is very different than the one you're familiar sure. with and it's been like nine years so to be completely honest yeah. the biggest thing i remember is the bull scene <laughs> wait can i tell you that was based on a true experience you might have told okay wait that. you can go ahead and That's... describe the scene and then i will explain a little bit more of that oh I, I i don't remember like everything about it i just remember a picnic and a bull and disruption and a little bit of pandemonium yep um yeah, that's it. Yeah, I essentially decided, well, first of all, that first draft, trying to write, I'm going to kind of just take a tangent on NaNoWriMo in general, trying to write 50,000 words in one month means maybe 50% inspiration and direction and 50% absolute impulse and chaos and waking up one morning and going, I don't know what I'm going to write, but I have to write something. So True. writing a lot of things that maybe had I written that book in a year or a few months or that draft rather, they would never have appeared in this novel. And these scenes don't all fit together in the same way. But that day, I thought it was a great idea to write a scene where one of our main characters takes his girl on a date to an apple orchard. They sit, they picnic, it's cute. And then a bull gets loose. And I think it was a buffalo, actually. And it oh. turns out that her roommate slash best friend slash the other main character, um, the other main character's love interest, but really in a stalkery version that we don't like and trust him. Not a healthy <laughs> love interest. Yeah, high school me girls. The unhealthy love interest is apparently a buffalo wrangler and swoops in and saves the day. And he was just there because this character was just, that was kind of his thing. He was always just there in a really creepy way, but also in a like helpful way too. But yeah, no, literally one day 
that fall, probably the day before or two days before, based on how my writing process was in, as a junior in high school, we had been going to pick apples for a food pantry in the non-public side of an apple orchard where they basically said they wanted to donate what was left. One of the buffaloes got loose. We didn't actually see it, but we heard about it and we we're like corralled to our cars and like told to leave. So my mother was making a really big dramatic thing out of it. I remember being really freaked, even though we didn't really see the buffalo. But that's kind of where that came from. That's so funny. Yeah. That's, yeah, that tracks. Okay, so moving on <laughs> to the the second of two things that we talked about. <laughs> so we talked about drafting a uh, fantasy story as well. Uh, the Dark Academia. So oh, I'm, you, yes. I'm not drafting a fantasy theory. Here's the thing. I haven't decided how to categorize this story. It's rather new. Sure. There is a sci-fi fantasy or possibly just psychological thriller twist in the sense that we are using psychology. I'm using psychology to justify and explain something that psychology can't actually justify and explain. So it's like kind of a few steps beyond our present capacity, if that makes sense. So playing with the human brain, just just pushing somatic therapy and processing, which is the idea that pressure and physicality of trauma and of emotions and of memories are stored physically in the body. So I'm pushing that boundary a little bit yeah, I'm still figuring out what that looks like. So I haven't decided if it's like straight fantasy or sci-fi or it's just a psychological thriller and you don't know really who to trust. But yeah, so I'm playing with this new story. It's a dark academia. It's set on a college campus and well, for the first half. And the best way I've found to pitch it is it is light academia until it becomes dark academia. And it starts off with this really fun kind of a PhD student decides to do this really fun summer road trip concert as a way or like series of concerts. He puts together a band and decides to go on a little road trip, perform. And part of this is basically proving his PhD um, dissertation. And each of the concerts is a part of the science experiment. But you think it's this kind of fun band road road trip romp until it just becomes really twisted and you get to see kind of the psychology behind the scenes. And it is my first time playing with, I literally built this because I wanted to write an unreliable narrator. And that's kind of what I mean by you don't really know what's going on because the narrator for the first quarter of the book, you think you know her and then you start to realize she doesn't even know herself. And she, yeah, it's been really fun playing with what that looks like. I'm still in early stages of drafting in the sense that like, I'm still finding her voice and Mm. my characters, you'll hear a lot about this is... Like, my characters tell me what they're doing. I don't tell them what they're doing. And they decided that the main character and the love interest are both PhD students. The main character, whose point of view it's from, is a art therapy or music therapy psychology student. And then the other one is some sort of other psychology student that's, like, very specific. But because of that, because they're both PhD students, they need to sound intelligent in their brains if she's telling the story. So I, as the writer, need to be able to tell the story from a... PhD student's brain and not from my personal undergrad bachelor public relations English brain. (laughs) So a lot of what I've been doing to prepare for this story is just reading. So I'm like pouring my way through psych textbooks, um, psych nonfictions, currently reading The Body Keeps the Score, which is really good. I have a list of what's next. So that one's kind of in forming right now. But I got to say the characters in this one are a lot of fun because I assembled a band with some really, really zany kids and it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Okay. Now I'm looking forward to that one too. But again, that's super on the horizon. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I always dream about what's over the horizon. Yeah. You got something to, you gotta keep, to going keep you something. going. Exactly. Heck yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, rounding the bases here, we've done one and two. So on to the third, which is probably the biggest one because it's 
the one that will be out very shortly. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about your poetry and what inspired that? Yeah, absolutely. So the first book that's going to make me an author is a poetry collection, which I first of all find wild because I've had characters battling for my attention since I was maybe 12, <laughs> 13. And the fact that none of them won kind of makes me angry, but it's okay. I'm proud of the poetry collection. So that's where we're going to go. But You are the character yeah, so I, that won. I don't like that. I don't like being the character. I like telling okay. people's stories. I don't want to tell my story, but no, I do want to tell my story. This one I've been working on for the past, I don't know, two, three years, about sometime, actually about this time last year, it really landed with me. I'd been playing with it since last summer. But this time last year, I really realized that a lot of the poetry I'd been writing, just kind of one-offs, journals, thoughts, playing with it since college, a lot of it was similar themes. A lot of it fit together really well. And I was still consistently writing a lot of poetry that was kind of falling under the same theme. And one of my friends just pitched, she was like, you should write a poetry collection, specifically because she wanted me to come on tour with them at some point in the nearer future than my fantasy novel would be out. Um, she has a dystopian series out, Sarah Francis, and then Era Aaron Forbes has a yeah. fantasy series out. And they were both like, you should publish a poetry collection so you can come on tours with us. I was like, well, maybe thought about it a little bit. And the more I kind of thought about it, the more I looked at it, the more God really laid on my heart that this is a story that needs to be told because it's going to, you know, be a blessing to someone, even if I never find out who that someone is on the side of heaven. But because it's my story, it's a little bit more intimidating. So it's called Chronic Defiance. And it's literally a collection of poems on resilience, on walking through pain and suffering through um, like with a perspective of eternity. And it's really just like an intimate portrait of what living with a chronic illness can be like. And yeah, it can get, it's not all happy endings, which I think is one of the things that scares me because a lot of people know me as a really bright and sunny people and people, person, I don't know, not multiple people, <laughs> just my characters. Well, you know. Actually, that's debatable. We um, wonder sometimes. You know, I also wonder, but I am generally the bright and sunny, encouraging person. So yes, a lot of these pieces are encouraging. And I think as a whole, as an arc, it's an encouragement, but at the same time, like it, the book sits with pain and suffering. It doesn't just blow past yeah. it or yeah, but it gets better because sometimes that's not what someone needs. Sometimes someone just needs to sit there and grieve for a minute. Yeah. I think, I think of like the Psalms in that way. Of, <laughs> there's a lot of them where they, they sit with the suffering and it ends with looking to God and putting trust where trust is due. But at the same time, like you have to have that moment of acknowledging the the hurt and acknowledging the the pain of of what you're going through. So personally, I'm very excited to get a copy of the book. And on that note, where could we buy Chronic Defiance? Yes. Yeah, so it will be available on Amazon and I'm going to try and get it stocked in some local bookstores in the Syracuse area. So likely Barnes and Noble. And then I'm talking to a couple indie bookstores, mostly selling consignment around here though. So mostly just Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But yeah, I'm really excited for it. It's really fun because I commissioned one of my really close friends, Sarah Francis, who's also an author, to do the cover and some illustrations. So it's not just words and poetry. I mean, it is, but there's a little bit of art that you can also sit with for a few of the poems, which is nice, especially yeah. because poetry, it's short and it's easy to read fast, but I feel like having art mixed and mingling with the poems and just with poetry books in general really lets you sit with them a little bit longer. So I'm excited yeah. for that too. I'm like flipping through it, looking at her illustrations right now, literally constantly in awe of her art. <laughs> yeah, I've also seen the art for it and it's, it is just stunning. Like it's, again, the the simple line art 
just matches the the words really really well is there anything more you want to say about the book um nothing really jumps out i'm just really excited to read it or not not to read it to have other people read it but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's gonna be a wild ride especially because i've been preparing myself to be a fiction author for a long time i think being a poetry author comes with a different source of conversations source of responsibility and i'm excited to see what that looks like but i'm also a little nervous about that so there's that (laughs) yeah and i think it's it's really interesting because like there's fiction writing there's nonfiction writing and then there's things like poetry which isn't really fiction it's also not just straight nonfiction. it's like artistic writing Mm -hmm. yeah so you know this month we've had a we've had someone working on a short story novella which is violet we have someone working on a screenplay. We have someone working, drafting their third novel in a series. Uh, and then we have you, someone who, you know, is obviously drafting like a couple series, a couple books, but then also is a poetry writer. And so I kind of want to ask, like, as someone who's written fiction and written poetry, what's some of the similarities and what's some of the differences with writing poetry? Yeah, I think for me personally, the similarities are... The fact that I think that my fiction writing has gotten stronger as I've been a poet and Mm. as I've really dug into poetry because I find myself not just wanting to tell a story, but to tell a story in a beautiful way. And I've started paying a little bit more, not always, but sometimes a little more attention to the cadence of my sentences and how my characters are speaking. And description especially, I think, has been strengthened by the fact that I write poetry. I also don't write traditional form poetry. Like it's very modern, raw form. Like I forget the proper term for it, but it's not, you know, couplets or any of Shakespeare's sure. versions of poetry. Like it's very sure. much just kind of freeform, which I love. And I think that it lends a certain type of beauty. In terms of differences, though, I mean, ultimately, the subject matter is obviously the most different, but yeah. also the way you approach writing it, I think, is different. I mean, I sit down to write a fantasy chapter or one of my chapters in my dark academia. And I immediately have five tabs of research and my spreadsheets out. I might pull my map out. I commissioned a map a few years ago. It is the coolest thing. I might pull my fantasy map out. I might have a photo of my characters. I generally have two drafting docs and the spreadsheet with notes and my editorial letter that I wrote myself two years ago. So there's a lot happening that I'm like, kind of pulling together for writing or for revising. Whereas with poetry, it's kind of the opposite. I close out all distractions. Sometimes I literally go outside and just write on my phone or write in a journal. Sometimes I do write on my computer, but it's not with five tabs open. It's not with an image as inspiration open. It's very much kind of narrowing my view and vision. So I can really focus. Whereas I feel like fiction is really, I open it and I have a million things and I'm very expanded and I have you know the playlist playing and this that and the other thing so I think that's kind of one of the big differences is how I approach writing poetry and fiction yeah it, it seems to me like writing fiction is more of a, a landscape painting like you're seeing the big picture mm-hmm. where poetry is more like a portrait or a still life like you're focusing more on one specific thing and I really like yeah, what I think you said about. That's a really beautiful way to put it. Yeah, uh, thank you. I really like what you said about the description uh, in your in your fiction improving because that's something I found too. I did a over the summer we did an episode on poetry and did it with my wife and it blew me away how much my writing changed after that. Mm-hmm. Like I just started writing and I was like, wow, I can I can really make descriptions that much more pretty and that much more flowing. And it it really does change how how fiction is read too. So, yeah, I think that's really cool that you're getting the opportunity to share something 
that probably a lot of people, even if they don't relate to it in a personal level, like if it's not someone who's who's living with a chronic illness uh, or is going through a, a long season of grief or struggle, I think it's a way for people to be able to read it and understand it in a way that something like a biography or a, a textbook on how to isn't going to isn't going to reach. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, I think I might mention it either in my author letter or in my just general synopsis of like, you know, taking what you need, whether it's to be understood or to understand. Mm. Yes, that's great. Thank you. I wrote that yeah. somewhere. I don't know where offhand. That's yeah, that's really good. I also really but yeah, think, no, I think you hit it right on the head. An another great thing about Having a book like that is someone who's struggling with how do I express my feelings suddenly has an outlet of being like this, this poem is how I'm feeling. I couldn't put it into words, but here it is in words. Yeah. And that's something that I've really, one of the reasons I've really dug into poetry, one of the reasons I decided to write this is because I've found that solace in a lot of poetry collections over the past, like, honestly, I fell in love with poetry in college. So since college, but I've been able to really see and feel seen. A lot of emotions that I didn't have the words to articulate, especially in um, Lang Love specifically, writes really beautifully and has managed to articulate a lot of thoughts on just like love and time and kind of how they intermingle in really beautiful ways and in ways that I would never have thought to word. But I've always loved reading her stuff and I feel very seen by a lot of it, as well as other, you know, incredible poets that have come through my through my hands. But I've also found that in fiction writers that tend to write more poetically. I mean, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Schwab is written by an author who initially started out as a poet. And she, I believe, either had a poetry degree or went to school for a lot of poetry classes. I forget what her actual degree is. But she weighs each sentence as poetry. She reads it aloud to herself as she writes. And I found very similarly in that book that I felt very seen and explained a lot of emotions that I didn't have the words to articulate but felt very seen by. And yeah, that's definitely yeah. one of the reasons I've been so drawn to poetry over the past few years. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of wrapping up, but coming back to NaNoWriMo, because this is our NaNoWriMo yeah. series, we are coming up. You are our last guest for NaNoWriMo. So the end of November is a particularly busy season for a lot of people. Oh, really? So as a former NaNoWriMo participant, as a writer, what are some strategies or some tips you can give to finishing the month out well? Yeah, so there's a couple of different things. One specifically, I find that as busy as the Thanksgiving season can be. It's a four-day weekend with Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. As much as it's busy with a lot of family stuff, realistically, families don't wake up till 10 a.m. unless they're actually, you know, going somewhere. <laughs> or, okay, I realize that your family does. A lot of families don't start holiday celebrations till 10 a.m. Is that a better way to word that? Yeah, that's a great, yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Or like my family specifically, like doesn't tend to be doing a lot of active things after 9, 10, 11. And often we'll all just be kind of gathered. If you are comfortable writing around other people, pulling your laptop and, you know, sitting on the couch with the family, when the puzzle comes out, maybe your laptop comes out too. And instead of doing the puzzle, you're still present with the family, but you're also writing with still listening to the joy and still interacting. And I find when you're right around people that you love, it can be very frustrating and hard to focus, but also a lot of that love and like energy and warmth can really be written into your story. So either finding quiet times, you know, before and after the family celebrations have begun or started, or maybe just being present and writing in the moment. But also it's a four day weekend, find some time, get up early, 
you know, stay up late. You are so close. And I think that the years I did nano kind of sneak away for a couple hours. I think Saturday and Saturday morning and maybe Sunday afternoon, but it really depends on people's schedules. But yeah, obviously family and holidays have to be the priority, but that, and then my second kind of piece of advice would be as much as winning at NaNoWriMo and getting that 50,000 words and whatever is a huge goal that you've been working towards that all, you know, month have grace with yourself. And that's kind of a big thing in my poetry collection and something I've really been learning in my own life a lot these past few years, months rather, I guess, have grace with yourself, you know, do your best, you know, work, work your hardest, give it your all. But at the end of the day, whether you hit 48,000 words or 50,000 words, you wrote the majority of a novel, you got your creative juices flowing, you did something huge, and you have kind of this really big and beautiful platform to now step off of whether the book isn't done and you finish writing it, whether it is done and you start editing it and working on it in that direction. You know, a few thousand words in the grand scheme of things, maybe you spend a few days in Jan- in December doing it or even January. Like having grace with yourself is a really important thing that I think doesn't get talked about enough at Anna. Yeah. And even even if, you know, on the flip side, you've written all of 10,000 words, you know, that's mm-hmm. still the foundation for something in the future. Oh, absolutely. Very good. So where can all of our loyal followers follow you <laughs> and see, you know, information about book releases, poetry that you share, or anything like that? Yeah, so right now I'm pretty much only active on my Instagram, Becca.poetry. It's literally just B-E-C-A dot poetry. I'm not going to spell that one out for you guys. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm most active. I'll be talking a lot about chronic defiance in the upcoming weeks on there. I'm hoping to have some events in January that I'll be talking about on there. And then when I start actually being more public about my other books and you know, closer to publication, I'll be talking about them too. You know, I still got to solicit an editor or make the decision to self-publish for some of them. So that's a little bit further yeah, away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And let's see, I feel like there was another question that was meant to be asked, but I can't. I, I have can't a question for you. Right Can now. I throw one in? Go for it. I know you were either doing Nana or doing kind of an adjusted goal. Where are you this week? Like, what's your status and how are you feeling about it? <laughs> so my, uh, yeah, my NaNoWriMo, so I'm not doing NaNoWriMo at all because I've been working on finishing up the Adventures in Fantasy anthology and I kind of have my own schedule for that. So trying to uh, do NaNoWriMo in a season where I have Thanksgiving that I have to be doing stuff for and we had a like a wedding in the beginning of November, which took up uh, probably three to four days, yep. just wasn't really feasible. So yeah, November as a, a month of writing hasn't been super great, actually writing-wise. That said, I have clarified the plot of the agency arc to Adventures in Fantasy. So if you guys know or don't know, there are two main plot arcs in the anthology. The one that happens chronologically second is done, which is the Wandering Isle arc. And the one that happens chronologically first is the agency arc. And I've been working on that for a while and I've like half started a whole bunch of short stories trying to kind of figure out like what's happening. And I finally got one that clarified just about everything for me. So there's still some minor details of trying to figure out uh, plot points and whatnot. And I am once again realizing that uh, starting a project based off of a singular short story or a couple of short stories, it's very big very quickly. So there probably will be some pruning that will have to get done eventually but it's really really exciting more recently uh, actually today i am starting to write like 
cozy short stories? Yes, I love cozy short stories. Yeah, so still set in the adventures and fantasy world, less connected to the rest of the arcs in general, but kind of gearing up towards happy and homey feelings for Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holiday season. Expect things about coffee and tea and winter and uh, snowfall and all of those wonderful things because those those are going to be coming up soon so yeah that's kind of that's kind of been my november yeah yeah okay i'm glad you feel like you're making progress and honestly like finishing up an arc and having direction and clarity on it is often more of an accomplishment than actually writing the sucker yeah yeah because now it's it feels like the hard part's done like before i was writing stories and being like i know this is a plot point i want to happen so i have to write a story about it but now i can be like okay that's this plot point and that plot point fits here and that plot point fits here oh i'm so proud of you i'm glad that it's coming along yeah thank you so i think that is just about all the time we have for today thank you so much becca for joining us like she said you can go ahead and follow her at becca.poetry that's b-e-c-a dot poetry on instagram can you pre-order chronic defiance now you can't pre-order amazon doesn't let you pre-order self-published books but i know right but i'll be posting a lot about when it comes out great so yeah go ahead follow her tell her how much you love her poetry because it is absolutely so cool yeah i do have some poetry up there right now that's good that's good self self promotion heck yeah Small taste of the collection that is to come. A tiny taste. It's actually kind of fun because half the stuff that's on my poetry Instagram is excerpts from the collection and then half of it is just thoughts from a random Tuesday or excerpts from poems that belong in different collections yet to be written. So Mm -hmm. you won't see all of that in the book coming. And then plus, there's all of the incredible art that is also in the book. So very true. there's, There's so many reasons. So many reasons to go ahead and buy Chronic Defiance. So thank you again for joining us and to everyone who is joining us and listening in. We are recording this before Thanksgiving, so I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that the this season has been restful for you and that you are finishing out NaNoWriMo strong. You've still got just about one week left, so do it well. And until next time, wander well. Thanks for having me, Elijah. Take care, everybody.